Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I am your host, Hanan Al-Basha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough. I am worthy. I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Uncharted Discussions of Empower to Grow. This is your host, Hanan Al-Basha, and I'm still with the lovely Wafa Al-Ubaydat. Hi, Wafa. Hello. <laughs> so um, in case you missed the first part, but I encourage you to go back and view it, Wafa Al-Ubaydat is the founder and CEO of Playbook, an amazing up and rising tech platform for women in the Gulf, or actually in the world. I'm not going to say just in the Gulf. Um, and she's also a podcast host and a serial entrepreneur. And in the first episode, we were talking or we touched upon um, mompreneurship, mompreneurship, right? Is it? Yeah. And womenpreneurs. And I know you've had um, also, you spoke about the miscarriages before and you spoke about the, the how tough it is being pregnant and trying to build up a business. That's, let's start there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely like my experience was definitely challenging. And I feel it was because mostly I took for granted what pregnancy that, you know, everyone around me got pregnant. I didn't hear the miscarriage stories. I didn't hear the IVF stories. All I hear is everyone is like baby shower, their, yeah. you know, um, hospital visits, uh, first birthdays. So come and, and coming from like a network of girlfriends who all have children, uh, you know, and I, I had them a little bit later than everybody. I just saw everybody having babies. So for me, um, and the doctor's advice has always been like, maintain your normal lifestyle while, you know, like don't change anything about your lifestyle if you're pregnant. So the message to me is everyone has children and you'll have a child and it's okay. And then maintain your normal lifestyle. And my normal lifestyle is not normal. So yeah. in my mind, it's normal to me, but it's not normal to maybe a different person. I mean, we're all so different. So even that as a message was really misleading. So, if, you know, I do, I used to do 12 to 14 hour working days mm -hmm. and I used to train for triathlon. So I would do 14 to 20 hours of swim, bike and run. So maintaining my normal lifestyle is like very intense cardio for hours and also working a lot so the strain I put my body on in those first three months because to maintain my normal lifestyle and I, I'm really kind of speedy so I think even going to the hospital visit I'm like I have 10 minutes or like <laughs> the 10 minute meeting I have five and yeah. the doctor would be like okay you have five five minutes but I was doing such a disservice to myself so I take responsibility for that as well because I am so used to calling the shots that with the doctors, they just followed my lead when my, the best doctor I had was like, you need to, like, I don't care what you say, like you need to slow down. Right. So by third baby number three, like the doctors were scared because I'm at risk now because I've had two miscarriages. So they would tell me like, slow down, right. Mm -hmm. Like rest. Mm -hmm. So I think I, it was a combination of like, putting all that pressure on myself, maintaining, not resting um, at all, not listening to my body at all, which I never did. Like I ignored it or I just pushed it to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, so it's been really like very challenging for me. And by baby number three, for the first time in my life, I completely 
stopped everything. Like my foot was on break. Like I went from like running, running, running to like zero. Like I was, you know, my team removed me from my email access. They all stepped in to take care of me and say like, you're not working. The doctor's like, you're on bed rest. And I had a condition called hyperemesis. It happens to 1% of pregnant women. It just means like you're going through a much more challenging time Mm -hmm. uh, with your pregnancy. So just you have a bigger chance of being dehydrated, catching an infection, just not eating well. So rest was so essential. And especially during the summertime here in the region, yeah. it gets really hot. So yeah. I would do meetings. Like I'm I'm in, you know, a, a company that offers services. So I would be going to meetings at like 12 noon, but like and parking and walking in the heat. And that was my normal lifestyle. Yeah. So this is, so stopping all of that was so essential um, to like reset and then also take a huge step back to be like, well, what do I want to do? And what kind of life do I want to lead? And what kind of business do I want to run? And I think in the last few years, I've taken a huge step back from my agency and I've gone to build Playbook with the intention of building a tech company that can scale where I can work remotely and be closer to my son. So I feel like after COVID and after having a child, I completely redesigned my entire life to suit mm-hmm me my body my time so I love working from home I love hearing my son in the next room I love coming down and having my meals with him and coming back up and being so close to him Um, and I have that luxury to like build that world around me so I think that's what you know for me being an entrepreneur or mompreneur is like just really designing your career to suit you if you if you're a female founder which is what I've done and I think that's that's a beautiful thing. And that's what, what you're touching on here is, and I called it always the redefining your success parameters and talking of the concept of subjective success. What does it mean to you? What do you want to create or how do you want to create it as well? What, what are the parameters for that, the framework versus what society is telling us? Is that like, you know, we've been conditioned. It's fresh, fresh, fresh. If you don't have, or if you have half an hour block in your day, then there's something missing. You should have filled it up. And um, I know that I used to be like that, you know, uh, during uh, uh, corporate before I had our son, I walked out of corporate like over 11 years ago when I had our son, just because I'm also the type that my body gets psychosomatic symptoms, which means that I was developing illnesses and diseases just because of the stress. So, you know, I got the slip discs in my back and in my neck, I got the, the GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease. I got the migraines, I got all of this. And for me, as I was going through the pregnancy and I also slowed down a bit to stop and say, what do I want? How do I want to lead my life now that I'm also responsible for, for a a human, (laughs) you know, it's not just my son, it's just a human being. They need the time. And I know not a lot of people have the luxury of being able to quit corporate, but beyond that understanding that how can you compartmentalize your life to be able to suit this phase and then there's the next phase you know now of course i get a lot more um i can invest a lot more time in my business just because our son is a bit older so he's 11 now so i he doesn't need my attention all the time he does you know he's more independent and stuff but when he was younger when i first started between the ages of four months and when i co-founded a few businesses and i was in an office so that was like for about six years first six years of his life I had to accommodate my schedule around his schedule. So between the waking up in the morning, dropping him at nursery, going to the office, bringing him back and, you know, working on the meetings and, and going back to work after he's, he's down for the night, 
um, I used to get asked the questions like, how'd you do this? And he's like, you know, like superwoman. I was like, oh yeah, my, my day starts at 5 a.m. and ends at 1 or 2 a.m. And I didn't stop to realize that I was just literally consuming me. And as you said, I believe one of the blessings, I know it's, it's not that easy to say, but one of the byproduct blessings of the pandemic is we all got the opportunity. We were, well, actually, we didn't get the opportunity. We were forced into the opportunity to stop and reassess and redefine our priorities and, and look at it from that perspective. And I think for a lot of women, they, I know that a lot of women I spoke to come from the place of, I don't have a choice, you know? And I think this is where the, as you said, sharing those stories is we don't hear about the miscarriages and we don't hear about the struggles and we don't hear about the what happens behind the scenes as you're building up a successful venture supports women in understanding there are choices. You just have to figure it out. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, um, I think you said something really important, which is like, uh, you know, we were, we're sacrificing ourselves in order yeah. to like raise our children and to do our work. And, and, and we end up like, we're the ones that get kind of the hard end of the stick. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the number one advice I got from moms when I was pregnant is that like delegate, do not be a perfectionist. Like this was like the number one thing. Like I've heard that 40 to 50 times while I was pregnant. Like I was like, please don't do what I did. I was the only one in charge of my son. I was very protective, but in the process, I lost myself. Like, don't lose yourself. Like, mm -hmm. stay you. Yeah. And I get it, like postpartum and just like, I was really empowered by all these women to do what suited me. Mm -hmm. And what suited me, I didn't enjoy breastfeeding. So I was like, I don't want to do it. I, I couldn't anyways, but like, I didn't try and I just didn't feel comfortable. And I was like, you know what? I'm a formula baby. I think I turned out okay. And <laughs> I feel like with my son, I realized if I started breastfeeding, it was really depressing me. And I think it was more important that my son has a happy, healthy mother uh, than an angry, depressed, resentful one. So I made that like, and, I, and you get a lot of shame. Like the shame is unreal from nurses, doctors, family. Like you should try and why? And I'm just like, it just, it's not natural to me. Like, I don't want to do it. Like, don't force me. So I've had to like, on the on my bed like in after my c-section like after recovering just be like no I said no I said no like no I just don't I don't want to like don't force me um so that was it so by doing that I also was able to because I think when you're breastfeeding you have to be like obviously next to your son you're pumping so I got a lot of time back as well to like go for my walks and just someone else could feed my son if I wasn't there right so it's not just dependent on me I also like had a chat with my mom and my husband and my nanny and I'm like we're raising him together like we are all his mother like let me be very clear like I need to work and I need to go back to the gym and I just need to take care of myself as well so I just want this to be like a collective like it really takes a village but like I invited the village right like let's all you were open about it not we don't like you know it's not common to have this conversation of I'm not going to do this alone 
everyone needs to contribute. Yeah, to. and like this is my expectation. Like, and and by the, I'm not saying that everybody resonated with that or that that really stuck. Sometimes I still feel like 90% of the time it's 100%. Like most of the time it's my responsibility. Yeah. But inviting people to help me is something that I am okay doing. I'm okay for I'm okay asking. I'm okay like putting myself out there to say, can you take care of him from this time to this time while I go here? Just like creating a supportive environment and also being like being open to saying like everybody will help me with him to change him or to you know like it doesn't all have to be me and mm -hmm. I think by doing that I from day one always had a sense of balance in my life and I always had time for myself and I still feel I have to fight for that sometimes for sure um and I get so I still sometimes feel like you know, the mom guilt is insane and heavy and the shame is real from other people as well. Like, so if you're here, who's watching your son? Like all these, like if I'm traveling for work, like, so who's with your son? Like, are you okay leaving him? Like, are you okay leaving him like for that long? And it's like all this shame and all this noise, right? So that's one of the hardest things I think I've had to deal with. And then I end up punishing myself in my mind, right? So the shame and the mom guilt is by far you know the hardest thing out of this whole experience and yes. and understanding that like your son you know or like your baby like it's quality time um and there are moms who work full time you know in, a, in the corporate space they don't have the luxury I have so I get to work from home so I just like trying to always like rewire my mind to be grateful and to yes. say like okay and you know you're doing the best that you can and the, to this week it's not a lot of FaceTime maybe next week will be a face you know so just constantly talking to myself and being kind is, is and, and that's the other thing as you said Wafa I mean yes okay um I personally and I know you just um, stated it too I've, I have the luxury to be able to work from home um I have the luxury to you know have the time and space to build up something um but again we have to face the 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 shaming and the guilt tripping of, oh, that's a luxury you have. I don't have that. Or that's uh, that's something that I can't do. Or there's something that, you know, um, they see that this is a privilege, but you also put a lot of compromises um, up front. And these are conversations that I think we need to have more as in what works for me doesn't have to work for you. And I have accepted the compromises that I had to make to be able to stay home, to put my son as my priority, I know that, and to create a work schedule and that, you know, kind of accommodates his, my priorities for him as well. But the other part, and I think this is the biggest challenge for mompreneurs is the shaming part. And that whatever you do, someone always thinks that you should be doing something different. And however small or big your business is, someone thinks you should be doing something different. I know I had a conversation with them, um, one of my clients and, and became very close friends. And the first session, she was, she was nearly in tears because she's like, I was just in an event last night for women empowerment in business. <laughs> and she was shamed because in two or three years, her business hadn't grown or scaled to you know, the level that people expect of her. And she's like, but, you know, I accommodated it as per what was happening in my life, as per my kids' requirements and as per, and I'm like, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why I keep talking about the subjective success. And when I work with women, I tell them, you know, you want to build 
the next million dollar business, great, that's a success, let's work towards that. You want to build the next two hours a day as the kids are in school business, great, that's a success and let's work towards that. And so I think, do you think that the conversation about what success means to you and how to, I don't think you can ever shut off the shaming, but how to deal with it internally is something that we need to have more of or are more people talking about this now? So I, I love that question, which is like, let's normalize like having these hard conversations and like really talking about the shame. I think for me, what has helped me a lot deal with it was traveling by myself. Like every time a work trip has come up and I've gone. So I, you know, I did a five week trip split up into two parts, which is insane, like three weeks and two weeks. And then I've done like a week so far. Um, every time I've traveled, the noise just goes down, right? Like I'm now out of the, my environment. I am operating without feeling guilty that I'm not like in time for bedtime or trying to, you know, go to the doctor's appointment and come like, there's no guilt. Cause now it's just me. And like, I can only serve myself in the space mm-hmm. and I've entrusted my son to like my mother or my husband or my nanny or all the above. Right. Um, so it's, it's now their responsibility for the duration that I'm not there to take care of him. So the mom guilt goes to zero and, and like for me, um, maybe it's harder, you know, I mean, everyone is different, but this, the work travel went, went, you know, it went from like the volume is so high of the shame and the guilt to zero. So I now know like for my mental health, a work trip or a, any kind of trip, a two day trip just gets me out of that the extraction of yeah. yeah and then I can just refuel and reconnect with myself and just not be a mom for like two days I am now wafa like the working wafa and I can do like late dinners and I can go out and I can just let loose with my girlfriends and it's like there's no curfew and it's I'm not looking at the monitor right I can just <laughs> Be like oh my god there is no because i think what people don't say is like when you're a mom you have curfew you do yeah school <laughs> like I, I, it's a school night like i have to be you know in bed by 10 or 9 30 to do the 6 a.m like drop off or pick up right so um i think the work trip the travel has helped me a lot and i think that's my tactic um, not everybody has the luxury of that but like if i have any friends or moms and they're like oh a work trip came up but i don't know if i should do it i'm like go like go and just like reconnect with yourself without like the mother part of you so you can just remember like oh my god I'm a woman with my own needs and wants right and you put yourself first um but overall I've had to address the shame conversation with some of my loved ones to be like I feel like you're shaming me I need you to stop uh, because it affects me in these ways and those are not easy conversations to have, but just pointing it out. And like, it's not always received well either. Like it sometimes it's received as in like, you're getting help and you're not grateful. And like, you know, or like, you know, I think, especially if you're a mother that like stopped working or chose to be a full-time mother. Um, and then you, maybe you would expect your daughter to do the same, or you'd expect your loved one to do the same. So I think also, you know, uh, learning to have these conversations. And even I talk about it with my friends a lot, like, you know, if, if the kind of shame that we're feeling and just feeling like you're not alone helps. You know what I, I mean? I was just about to say that. Yeah. And that's something that you've touched on. And uh, I want to address it a bit more. And possibly that's a 
that's the last one because I know I've taken up uh, time from you. The the tribe element, the having people surrounding you that are like-hearted, like-minded, whether you are um, uh, privileged enough or lucky enough to have that within your close circle as in friends and stuff or going out and seeking a tribe. I know personally for me, I think that um, a tribe is super important for our mental wellness <laughs> when it comes to building up businesses and you know facing all the challenges how have you seen the tribe and the tribe's role in your life so i uh, having a tribe is so uh, like this is why i love your podcast like you've built a community around your podcast i'm building a community around mine and i feel like every time i have gone through a challenging experience a woman saying me too, like I've had this experience has healed me on so many levels. And I think like just zooming in on my miscarriage experience, when I woke up after a very traumatic, literally birthing experience. Um, so I was obviously knocked out because I was in a lot of pain. So I think I, you know, and I had a very bad infection. So I woke up and the nurse um, who was like taking care of me and just kind of like changing my, you know, my IV. And she was like, you know, you had a miscarriage. I was like, I did. And then she's like, four and a half months. I said, yes. And she said, me too. I was floored. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I've had a miscarriage at four and a half months hard. And she left. And I just feel like, I just still remember how powerful that was for me. Like, I'm not alone. Like there yep. are others. Yeah. Um, and then I met an incredible, I mean, I know an incredible woman and I, you know, was feeling so down and victimized. Like I had a miscarriage. I'm so down. And she's like, how many have you had? And I'm like, just one. And she was like, ah, like, oh my dear, you'll be fine. Like I had seven and I have three beautiful kids oh and God. you'll be fine. Oh, and she was laughing about it, not in a mean way, but like, yeah. you will be okay. Yeah. Like, a reassuring not- laugh. Yeah. reassuring and not like diminishing from what I was feeling but just elevating me to be like this will pass like and then her you know I saw her grown kids who are in university and who are working now and she's like I have three like you'll be fine and I just felt like wow like I want to be like that I want to operate from a, a place of positivity and it's going to be okay and like a big smile on my face I just felt like she was in control of her not in control but like proactive about her approach so I think that was also healing so these are two experiences that like stayed with me um and I think that's what I'm trying to do with playbook I think now with playbook it's like I never want anyone to feel alone again at any point in their personal life but professional life and I want people to go there and connect and find like-minded women and share stories and tap into the master classes for a lot of these incredible solutions and I just I've gone through so much pain uh, on both a personal level and a professional I just don't want anyone to feel those things or I love to minimize them and just fast track them to where they want to go and I think that's really like the solution is from just the abundance of pain I've gone through as a woman as a mother and I'm like I just want to give you 
the solutions or options. So you're like, okay, I can watch a module here. And yeah. if this can do my miscarriage, I will listen to, you know, I'll connect with a therapist or a coach or a, you know, a, 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 an advisor um, in the community, or I'm traveling to Bahrain and I want to find like-minded women to like partner with and connect with, like who are coming with the intention of working and, 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 you know, supporting each other. And, and that's what I'm trying to do is just build like a scalable solution to avoid just how long it takes to get to like this space of abundance and prosperity that you were talking about earlier. Um, so yeah, I just want to give shortcuts. <laughs> I love that. And, and I, and I know this is why we, uh, we were in alignment from our first conversation is I say, I do what I do because I never want to cross paths with a woman that feels disempowered in her own life. So it's just yeah. that it's offering that platform, that reassurance that you're not alone and whatever you're going through is um, how tough it is. And I know we've gone through so much in our lives tap to tap in, to allow them to remember, to remind them to tap into that inner power pool that they've got and to connect with others that could help support and, um, and elevate these experiences to a better one. Wafa, as always, I love have, having our conversations and I know we can go on for a few more hours, but um, I know we'll have follow-up conversations. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy and thank you for everything you are doing because I know it's needed. It's not just... Um, something in the region as in the Middle East, we know this is needed for women around the world. And these are the kind of conversations and platforms that are empowering and that empower us to grow in as many ways as we could. And Dixora, I really want to thank you because um, you are a founding member of Playbook. And in our conversation, uh, when I invited you to join this incredible network of women, you said yes, and you know you paid the five hundred dollars, and yep. you didn't even blink. And I feel like people like you is why Playbook will work, um, and why I believe in this space. It's because eyes wide open. You're like, what do you need? I'm supporting. I'm here, and it's it's not just talking the talk, but you're actually committing and and and, and partnering with us. So I'm also very grateful um, for your yes and for your openness. Um, I, you know, Playbook is trying to be and hopefully will be the largest digital campus for women leaders in the world. And you're a part of our story. And now this podcast is a part of our story. So I'm so appreciative and grateful that you lead by example. Um, and I think we need more <laughs> now I'm gonna tear up. But uh, as you, as I said, it's uh, it's about alignment. You know, um, it's it's a small thing, it's a small contribution. But I know that every time we say yes, we're not just empowering one person. And that's the talk when I talk about the the ripple impact effect. I say be at the epicenter of that positive impact. You could be your circle could be one person or could be a million people. And that is what we need to do. It's just, you know, changing one person's life at a time. As you said, just the one me too, that changed your life. And accordingly, you took it and you're changing other people's lives. And that's, uh, again, that's my belief. And that's my uh, my strategy in life. And I hope that, you know, we, we align and we connect and we empower one another more. Um, there's so much power in complementing one another than in competing. 
And uh, this is where, you know, we need to unite from a perspective that lifting each other up just enables more people. And it's not, again, it's not about competition with men. It's not about rejecting men. We were both married. We both have sons and we know how yeah. important it is that when we come from a place of power and in standing in our own light, we're shining across and empowering our husbands and our sons and our daughters and our mothers and, and everyone we come across with to, to be them. And I think that's what we need more to do, um, to be ourselves and to live up to the purpose that has been set to us. I love that, Victoria. I agree with you 100%. Thank you Thank for having you. me. Thank you, Wafa. It was beautiful. And you've heard it. I mean, be you. Uh, we as women go through a lot and we understand that uh, there's the, the physiological parts that maybe the men won't understand and won't go through, but um, it could be empowering in so many ways. The turning our pains into our messages is something that we need to work towards. The supporting me too, and not necessarily from a disempowering way, from an empowering method is just so effective in empowering whole communities. As always, I wish you love, abundance, and prosperity. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance and prosperity to you all.